Ron Ananian. I wonder if the measurement of a good repair shop and a good mechanic isn't going to be whether or not they have every scan tool, every whiz-bang scope, every piece of diagnostic information under their sun at their fingertips, but more so, how many torque wrenches do they have? Hard to hear 20 when the engine valves rattle. Going down the road at 8 miles a gallon. The car doctor. The next time this car dies, if it has no spark, if it has no injector pulse, unplug the alternator. Really? Yeah. If you unplug the alternator and the car runs, I'm going to tell you, you've probably got a bad or a set of bad injectors. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. That number again, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7, always ready, always looking for your phone number. Give us a call, leave a message. If we're not on the air, we're live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But you can call the 855-560-9900 number and leave a message in Motorhead Matt or... Tom Ray, the illustrious Tom Ray, no baloney, not a phony. We'll give you a call back and get you in the lineup for the next live broadcast. I wonder, well, you know, we kind of get together, we chat, we talk about things, you and I. And I wonder, you know, can I tell you what really goes on in the shop sometimes? And I got to tell you this story. All right. It sort of leads into the, the, to the other thing I wanted to talk about in the opening segment today. So, you know, yesterday gentleman comes into the shop and he wants to talk about his car that that in order to get it to start he has to sometimes open and close the driver's door and i i think what we're going to call this segment is from now on is a guy walks into the repair shop because this really happened he walks in he tells me that and it's been going on for three years. It's a 2002 Jeep with 150,000 miles on it. It's been going on for three years. He walks into the shop, and he wants to talk about how in order to get it to start, you have to open and close the driver's door. And sometimes you have to bang on the shifter to get the window to go up and down on the driver's side. And every once in a while, when the blinkers act crazy and the, the gauges go nuts, he's got to open and close the trunk, the hatch. And I looked at him. And I said, but that doesn't matter. And, and and that's the reality of it. I'm wondering, are you this kind of a customer? And that's that's really what I'm trying to make the point about, that, you know, there's no logic to it. And he wanted to cite all these instances. You know, if it rained on Tuesday and snowed on Thursday, the taillights wouldn't work. And if, if you know, all these strange occurrences, and I kept saying to him, auto repair is not emotional. It's not possession. Auto repair is, is a logical, clear-cut thought process, eliminating the obvious to get down to the, the contrite and the small pieces and parts of information that allow you to fix the car. You can't be emotional fixing a car. You've just got to look at it and go, okay, what, can it, what can't it be? And then I'll know what it can be. In some cases, that's how you do it. He didn't like that answer. And then he was, we were having a conversation about, well, what do you think it's going to cost to fix? And I said, 
you know, it depends what kind of shape is the rest of it in. Well, you know, in the 15 years I've had it, I've only really done oil changes. So you've never done any maintenance. You've never changed trans fluid, never looked at brake fluid, never. Have you ever put brakes and tires on it? Oh, you know, when the brakes make noise or when the tires are really slick, when I'm sliding around in the rain. You know, I got a bumper sticker today. Wait a minute. Let me let me find it. I got a bumper sticker today from my my one of my favorite listeners and you're all my favorites but anthony tends to stand out officer emilio out there in park ridge illinois out chicago way and he says um the bumper sticker says and he sent it out to me because he says ron i think you need this for the people that walk into the shop and it's now it's on the back of the plow truck i just went out there this morning and we put it on the truck and we're going to show a facebook picture of it later but the bumper sticker says life is tough it's tougher if you're stupid and you know there can't be, you can't be stupid about fixing cars. There can't be emotion involved. You can't tell me that you really believe opening and closing the doors makes the car start. Yeah, maybe in some occurrence and maybe, you know, somewhere down the line, that's what's going to happen. But you've got to be practical about it. Three years of that going on and now you want to start to fix the car. Now it's getting on your nerves. And without any maintenance and without any repair, without any sort of, mechanical observation for the past 15 years you have the audacity to say what's this going to cost my answer was simple 500 to 5000 i don't know it's somewhere in that window maybe and he said well if it's too expensive i just won't fix it well then we're done why do we have this conversation we wasted 10 minutes and and that's what i want to caution you about and that's what i want to make you aware of that you know If you support insanity in auto repair, if you support the belief that opening and closing the door, opening and closing a trunk, smacking the console, rubbing your belly, spitting wooden nickels and standing on your head is what's going to fix the car, then you're as dumb as the mechanic that's trying to fix it that way because it doesn't happen. I had an article, I had a conversation yesterday also with someone just to show you how stringent things are getting in this industry and maybe you'll see the point i hope i had a call tech support for something i had to install a software program on one of the computers i changed last week in bay two and i was talking to the gentleman on tech support and he's from california and we were just somehow we got on the subject of you know he's asking me what's life like in new jersey and i was talking to him about what's life like in california and he says well nothing could be as bad as california and i was like why and he said well our governor out here introduced a a a legislation that is going to ban listen to this one going to ban the internal combustion engine by 2050 i meant what do you mean ban he goes no more not going to be allowed they're just they they won't exist in the state of california now i got to tell you that's kind of scary stuff that's like the insanity of you open and close the doors to start the car all right i mean i'll be dead So it won't really matter to me, but you think about the rest of the country and the influence. All right? Like, what are we going to do with big oil? What are we going to do with all the gas stations? What are we going to do with all the mechanics that are then going to go out of work for these giant electric slot cars that everybody wants us to build and drive and operate? we got guys out here now that can't spell OBD2, and now you expect them to understand an electric car and the ramifications of that? And if legislation in California follows true with that, and if they ban the internal combustion engine in California, what does that mean for the rest of the country? 
What does that mean for the multi-billion dollar industry that the automobile is and how it will affect us? That's an awful lot of change to go through in 32 years. You know, I can gauge it like this. I've been fixing cars 43 years, but cars 43 years ago still had tires, brakes, engines, gas, oil, transmissions, same stuff. Electronics got involved, and they've gotten a little slicker, and yeah, I get it. Maybe as cars get newer and electronics get more abundant, we're going to drive it in a better direction, and it's going to happen quicker and faster. But you've got an awful lot of economic consequence involved that's going to prevent that from happening. I think going forward, we've got to have common sense. And I hope nobody was offended by this opening conversation. And if you were, call me and we'll talk about it. But I think you've got to display some common sense. We're talking about an automobile. We're talking about a highly, highly complicated piece of electronic information. And I defy anyone that thinks it's so easy to spend a week in the shop. If insurance would allow it, you know what? I should probably get an insurance writer. Maybe we'll do car doctor boot camp. You spend a week with the car doctor, and I'll show you what fixing cars is all about. And at the end of the week, we let you fix your own car. We'll give you a problem to solve and a really bad cup of coffee. Um, And then you'll understand what it's like to be a mechanic every morning. Just something to think about. There is no emotion involved in auto repair. There's always a logical, clear-cut reason on why that car is broken. Hey, I'm going to pull over and take a pause, 855-560-9900. Keep in mind, podcasting for this radio show can also be found at cardoctorshow.com. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. You know, and I just looked it up online because I just I wanted to make sure of what we were talking about. Fox News, California could ban cars with internal combustion engines. Regulators say this was uh, three days ago. California California regulators are considering a ban on cars powered by internal combustion engines, echoing similar proposals in China, France, and the United Kingdom. Boy, there's a bunch of economic powerhouses. The chair of the California Air Research Board told Bloomberg that Governor Jerry Brown has raised the subject. I've gotten messages from the governor asking, why haven't we done this already? CARB, California Research Board, already administers a zero-emissions vehicle program that allows automakers to earn credits from electrified car sales, which can be sold or traded on an open marketplace. So are we trying to generate credits for car companies that are going to no longer exist because they're trying to sell electric cars? Are we trying to – what are we trying to do? Several have built electric cars that are only available in California in order to meet their quota, while various state incentives are available to buyers. As a result, California accounts for approximately half of the electric cars sold in the United States, according to Clean Technica. Estimates on the percentage of new cars sold in order to meet CARB's 2025 air quality goals range from 8 to 15 percent, while sales in the state this year are running at about 5 percent, which is about five times the national average. Thirteen other states in the District of Columbia follow CARB regulations to some degree, with nine involved in the zero emissions program. Tom raised a good point. He says, what's going to happen when somebody with a an internal combustion engine gets to the border of California? Are they going to be turned away? Uh, you, you know, Tom, it's I get what they're trying to do, and it's in the interest of clean air. But, you know, I think about the economic ramifications, and I haven't heard anybody address this. Nobody realizes. I look at the economy of auto repair in the small town of Waldwick, New Jersey, and what it contributes. The number of repair shops, delis, tool vendors, parts houses, you know, just just in one little small town in America. And now you're going to take away fixing and repairing cars at that level across the country? Uh, The economic ramification is just, I don't think it can be measured yet. Well, and I hope by that time that they come up with more distance on these electric cars, because some of the distances I drive 
You go 300, 400 miles and have to stop for a charge. That doesn't work with me. I actually heard a very good idea on how they're going to get away with that, whether it works or not, all right, is, you know, they'll get they'll get the charging distances up to 350, 400 miles, and then it'll be a matter of you'll pull into a battery station and they'll swap the battery pack out with another recharged pack. Okay, well, that makes sense, kind of okay. like going to the gas station. Right, kind of like going to the gas station. The question is, you know, I guess I guess they'll have a flat fee on what that charged battery pack will cost, okay? But we're assuming that everybody is going to take care of their car in an equal and precise manner. And I can tell you, having worked on a car yesterday, that it was a five-passenger vehicle, and there was so much stuff in this car... All right. I mean, everything from small boulders on the floor of the passenger side to dirty laundry in the back seat. Oh, you mean like my car? Tom made your car look like it was brand new. And, you know, there was just about room for me to get in and out of the car to work on it. And you say to yourself, where are they going to put the battery pack? I hope it's accessible. I hope it's in an area. And then the other thing I think about is, and I know we're kind of getting off the subject here of what today's show is about. We're trying to get to some calls. And I will in a minute. I'm sorry. But, you know, think about how many cars you see driving around with bumpers that are cracked, falling off, body panels missing, pieces of the car that are no longer there. And they're still on the road. And they're on the road because of economic conditions. That person can't afford to maintain that car beyond what it's at right there. And the question I've got is, so where are they going to put the battery pack? And and what if... What if something happens? What if that person with that electric car has a drivability issue from that battery pack, and now you're going to inherit somebody else's problem battery pack? So how well can they test all this stuff? And I bet you see that people just don't take care of their cars in general and don't do the no. maintenance. I no. mean, there are certain specific things you're going to need to do with those right. batteries. They're just not going to do it. You know, an, an electric car is just, to me, such a precise, exact piece of equipment with zero tolerance, zero tolerance for, you know, error. And it's, it's think of how much abuse you can give your computer and how long does it last. And now you're going to take it out over the road at 70, 80 miles an hour. Maybe we don't need to go visit California. All right. Last thought. So in California, California is the home of aftermarket performance, right? Edelbrock, Holly, all the performance companies that came out of there in the 50s and the 60s. And, and, and so forth. Think about all of a sudden, you don't need Edelbrock, you don't need Holly, you don't need, you know, uh, you know, any of the hooker headers and all the terms that the baby boomers grew up with, you know, the 60s and the 70s through hot rodding and stuff. Where's that all going to go? And what kind of economy is that? And how's that going to affect everything? And Yeah, they're either going to have to modify or die. Uh, basically, right. but modify to what? Exactly. Bigger armatures, more electric motors. I, I, you know what? We've really got to pay attention to what the legislators are trying to do because, you know, remember, these are the same people that told us 20 years ago, we're going to run out of oil by 2021. Okay. Now we're going to have an abundance of oil to match the current abundance we've got and where the gas and oil company is going to go. I got to go to the phones. I'm going to go do a phone call. I'm sorry. Emery up in Maine, line one, you're out with the car doctor. I'm sorry, Emery. I got off track there a little bit, but um, just, just where are we That's going? All right. Where, where are we going? Do you see? Let me ask you. Uh, you know, what do you think? You think they can get away with banning internal combustion engines by the year 2050? 
I don't know. I kind of think that that's pushing it. I, we, I, we can't get we can't get customers to change their oil. No. How are they going to get people to maintain batteries? Right, right. Sounds like a, sounds like right. a, sounds like a gentleman in the trade. What do you do for a living? Yep. Uh, actually, I'm get, I'm just about ready to graduate Universal Technical Institute with automotive and diesel mechanics. Good I, for you. Congratulations. So. Uh, what can I what can I do oh. you for? You looking for a job? You want right. to come to New so Jersey? I have... <laughs> <laughs> no, I got family up here in Maine. I gotta I gotta be I gotta be around. Okay. Um, but I, I'm I'm about to graduate UTI, like I said, and um, I have a student discount program through Snap-on, but it's limited, and okay. I don't believe that I need a Snap-on for everything. So I was just wondering if you had a short list. The short so list stuff that is you would definitely want. Yeah, the the short list is I like Snap-on's wrenches and screwdrivers. Okay, I like their sockets. I like their ratchets. Yep. I, I like the way they feel. I like the way they hold up. Um, you know, good stuff, good warranty. And my experience the last couple of years has been that when I, when I, you know, I have a Snap-on guy, I have a Mac guy. I've always had a Snap-on guy. I didn't have a Mac guy for the better yep. part of eight years. And it sort of drove me nuts because yep. I have a couple of Mac pieces and, you know, something would break and you'd have to go through holy heck to get warranty. And it, it just didn't work. I always believe there's going to be a Snap-on yep. guy. If the Mac guy goes out of business... I don't know how fast the company's going to be to replace them. So I always keep that in mind when I'm yep. buying tools. That being said, there are some things that, you know, I won't buy from Snap-on uh, that I don't, like you said, I think it's overkill. You know, I think their scan tool is decent. you got to be willing to pay the freight. Um, I've got a Modus, but I bought it at year-end at the end of the run. I got a great deal on it. It was a closeout. I won't pay the full boat price. I don't see the need for that. Um, but I'll tell you what, stay put right where you are, Emery. I don't want to rush this. Let me pull over and uh, do what I got to do, and we'll come back. We'll finish up this conversation. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We're back right after this. Car Doctor at 855-560-9900. We're on the phone with Emery from Maine. Emery, you're still there. Emery? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Um, yep, so, here. you know, uh, do, you have a, do you have a digital volt ohm meter? Here's a, here's a great example. Yes, well, I have the one that school gave me. All right. And what, what, what make it's is a, that? Is it a fluke? It's a, blue, it's a blue point. All right. So it's a snap-on. And you know, there's the classic. Yeah. there's the classic example, right? The snap-on guy comes around. He'll sell you a meter that's... You know, it says blue point or snap on on it. You know what? I prefer a fluke. Yep. I, you know, fluke is the benchmark. Yep. I wouldn't even consider the snap on d- digital volt ohm meter. You know, for all the years I've had a fluke, you know, you, you can bounce it, drop it, kick it. You, you can't kill it. And when you eventually do, you, yep. you, you either get the company to repair it and the company is always going to be there. Auto repair yep. is about longevity in the company. And, and how long that manufacturer is going to be around, and is it bang for the buck? Because I guarantee you, whatever you've got in your box, except for the ratchets, wrenches, sockets, and screwdrivers, all the rest of the specialty stuff is going to be outdated by next yep. week. And it's just this constant, chronic, yeah. you know, always. You know what I've got in my toolbox I saw the other day? Um, you ever Have you done any rear axle work, like a rear-wheel drive, old-school GM 
uh, where the you know, take yep. the axles yeah, out. Yeah, I rebuilt the rear end of my truck. Okay, so you know that pinion, uh, yeah. you know the cross bolt that the 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 pinion bolt that holds the cross shaft in. It's got that little eight millimeter yep. head on it that threads into the carrier. Yep. Every once in a while, yep, they, they always break off. They always break off. I actually have the tool for that that you can clamp it on, drill it out, and you know you don't have to pull the carrier. You can do it right in the car. Used it twice. Nice. Used it twice. Haven't used it in the better part of, gosh, it's got to be twelve or fourteen years. It's forever now. But I look at it every. I look at it every time I open up that drawer in the box. Third, third drawer, right side. You know, all the way tucked in the corner. It was. It was. I yep. think it was cheap. I think it was like thirty nine bucks. And I said, oh, this is going to save. This is going to make me a fortune. Now the argument could be yep. made that since you own it, um, you never have to see it because when 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 the mechanical gods know you're prepared, they never give you that job. They always give you the thing you don't have the tool for. Yep. Which is why you got to buy one of everything. It just doesn't necessarily all be snap on. All right. I think yeah. I think when you get into the specialty stuff, you've really got to review and see what the other guys are using and what works. You know, I wouldn't buy snap-on okay. drop lights, but I would be prepared to me. At, uh, uh, you know, we we have a lot of lights around the shop. We don't we have corded lights. I haven't used one in again a long time because everything now is portable and cordless. But I make sure yep. that I buy a cheap enough light that if I destroy it in a year, it's a consumable. You know, it's yep. a, it's a hundred bucks you're going to throw away. That's how you got to think about it. Yep. And at the end of the year, when it's all battered and beat up, and makes your eyes squint when you're trying to use it, you throw it out January one and you buy another one. And you know, do okay. I want to do I want to do I want to spend three hundred dollars for that from Snap or do I want to spend a hundred bucks for that from the Mac guy or online somewhere, Tooltopia or something? And you know, yeah, yeah I like the blue fuels that Napa that Napa has. Yeah, you know, certain things are just consumables. Have you heard of IATN? You know, read what the guys on IATN are saying. Yeah, IATN.net, okay. the Mechanics Forum. You can you can sign up and join. Okay. It's a couple of bucks a year. It's dues. So in the eyes of the government, it's a tax deduction, which it is. It's it's part of your you know process of being in the trade. And you, okay. you know it's it's you know it, it'll give you information. Uh, one thing I can say about IATN: if you think you're facing a problem that you've never seen before. Where do you go out there and start reading yep. what everybody else is talking about? Um, you know, so okay. it's 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 a very worthwhile uh, place to go and get information. But I'd be reviewing things. I wouldn't be uh, be like fixing the cars. You heard me talking about. You don't want to be emotional fixing the car. You don't want to be emotional trying to purchase yeah. the new tool either. Um, yep. You know, Snap-on's come out with a Zeus. Have you seen the new Zeus scan tool? I've heard about it. I heard your podcast. Your, uh broadcast last week on it yeah and you know all the snap-on guy wants to do is sell me one for sixteen thousand dollars and yeah you know the argument kind of comes back to yeah but what makes it so different what makes it so much better yeah and you know there's yep. a there's a lot of little holes there and he wants to make it emotional and yep. i want to make it a calculated decision and that's yep. what if i was starting over i'd be very calculating about what i'm buying and do do my research yep. it's a process all right, kiddo. The launch scan tool is that a yeah yep. yeah yeah uh, you know the launch scan tool a real good start yeah I think I think the launch stuff is a lot of bang for the buck and I okay. you know what I, I that's what you're after you're after diversity you know I yep. was just looking around again I finally got the the pile of 19 scan tools down to where I'm actively using seven and okay you know I'm trying to whittle that pile down to three. 
and I'm trying to figure out what yep. what's better than that and who does this and how does that work and you know but the launch scan tool the little what is it the launch um it's a little red tablet it's about 15 or 1800 bucks retail on the street um is it the X four fifteen? X four thirty one. X four thirty one. Yeah, the little tablet. It's like a ten inch tablet. Yep. Um, you can grip it right or left handed. Yep. It's it's got that ergonomically uh, handled grip. It's in a red case. Scan tool. Yeah, there it is. And uh, that's our own Barry Barry, aka Tony Atwood White. Yeah. Um, you know that that's that's a lot of bang for the buck. There are holes. There are things that tool doesn't do. But that's okay because it wasn't ten thousand dollars. It wasn't sixteen thousand dollars. But if you're going to be in a yeah. repair shop and you know you need a good functioning everyday scan tool, yeah, that's it. Um, it graphs, it prints. Right. You can email the information to yourself. Uh, you want to get yourself? I think it's Google Print or Cloud Print. Install it on. Uh, it's an Android. You want to install it on the Android device, and uh, you're good to go. But uh, you know the problem. Right. The problem is. You need you need a hundred thousand dollars worth of tools to walk in the door day one, and yep. you know on top of that you get to pay off your loans, and you have to be smart enough to know that you're smart enough to go do something else. And you wonder why we can't get mechanics in the country, and that's a whole other conversation. Never put me on that board of review. Yep. So, all right, Emery. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Good luck to you, kiddo. Have a great time. Um, yeah, that's, you know what? And he's going to, he's got a heck of a career in front of him. He's going to really see some changes. He'll be there when California bans the internal combustion engine and, and everything changes and we go to electric cars and the things that the kids are going to see, the kids that graduate from UTI and other places like that. Uh, you know what? To a degree, I'm jealous. I wish I could be there with them as they go through the changes because it's going to be very, very interesting. Let's pull over and take a pause, 855-560-9900. When we come back, we're going to get right to Kevin with the 2003 Yukon. Hang tight, Kevin. I'm coming for you. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, we're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Let's get over and talk to Kevin in Maine, 2003 Yukon XL and some error codes. Kevin, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hi there. Yes, sir. What's going yeah, on? I've got a um, I've got a uh, Yukon XL 2003 three quarter ton. Okay. Um, I use it for uh, towing a camper, and I keep getting a uh, P0101 mass air sensor uh, uh, code. Okay. Any, and uh, any, sometimes any, that code. Any other full codes, Kevin, or is it just that one? Yes. Uh, well. Sometimes that code comes up all by itself, but uh, but a lot of times it comes up with the 0701 and I believe a 0704 right. as well. Okay. Um, it it comes up almost every time I tow. Um, when the truck's unloaded, it 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 rarely comes up. Right. But it still does come up. Uh, who's doing the diagnosis? You or do you have a, you have a repair shop pulling the codes? Uh, just me. I've got a um, a bully dog uh, tuner with a gauge display on it. Okay. That um, that shows me the codes. Can do you have the ability to go um, look at freeze frame? No. No. Okay. You were going to say something else. Uh, well, what I've done so far with it is um, I uh, I used I swapped a mass air sensor from uh, another truck um, that. Another truck that I knew it was good. We didn't have any codes, um, and that didn't make any change to it. Okay. Um, 
there was a technical service bulletin I found that matched some of my other symptoms, uh, which was a rough idle um, on a cold startup. Talked about intake um, manifold gaskets? With... Correct, yep. Right. I changed uh, to the newer teal green gaskets, and that solved the the rough cold idle issue, but I still have the the um, the mass air sensor codes. Okay, so... So are you still getting all the codes or just the 101? Uh, well, like like I said, sometimes it's just the 0101, but at other other times the other 0701 and 0704. Okay, so you're still getting pretty much you're, you're still getting pretty much the same fault codes. Yep. All right. Got to buy a scan tool. All right. You're going to have to get you're have to get, it doesn't have to be expensive, just something that'll read data stream. And you're going to have to start to yep. look at fuel trim. You want to know what fuel trim is, all right? Were you a Boy Scout? Yes. Were, were you Were you a Boy yeah, Scout, yep. Kevin? Okay. So you know, you know, remember, yep. remember when they taught us about building a fire using wet wood, dry wood, and leaves, and you know, hot flame, cold flame, and all that stuff. Yep. So we want to look at fuel yep. trim. We want to look at you know, hot flame, cold flame. Um, you know, we want to look to see you know, enough oxygen, too much oxygen, not enough oxygen. And, you know, that's what fuel trim is all about. If zero is a perfect fire, then if we if we take away oxygen or if we add oxygen to it, we've got to add more fuel to maintain that balance. So you're going to see fuel trim go on the increase. If it's the other way, you're going to see fuel trim go negative, trying to take fuel away if it's running too rich. You want to see where fuel trim is. All right. It's you're, you're typically going to see zero plus or minus eight percent, but then again, depending upon where you are and what part of the country, hot mountains, you know, flatlands, below sea level, all that stuff comes into effect. You know, what's the barometric pressure that day? But general rule of thumb, zero plus or minus eight ten percent is a good is a good number. Um, you know, if you have another vehicle that's similar to it, which it sounds like you do because you swapped it in from a another mass airflow, I would tell you to grab that one. And I would tell you to grab that one and, you know, drive the, drive the known good and compare that to the known bad. My suspicion is yep. that if you get this to set codes, take a look at freeze frame. All right. When does it happen? Most of the problems with the intake gaskets happened when the vehicle was during vehicle warm-up. It happened between 140 and 180 degrees. I'd be curious to see if you're still having that problem. Changing the gaskets was a great thing because, yeah, the orange to the teal green does make a difference. But there can be other vacuum leaks there that are occurring, and you sort of need to track those down because 101 means that the mass airflow, it's, it, it thinks the mass airflow is underreporting air volume because it's, it's possibly sourcing air from another source. And now we've got to track down that other source, and the only way we know this for sure is we've got to take a look at fuel trim. Uh, you know, fuel trim fuel trim becomes very important. Of course, then there's always the possibility yeah. that the other one you had, that the other vehicle you've got has a pending 101 that you haven't seen yet because that mass airflow is out of calibration too. So that's why swapping parts is okay, but you got to have a scan tool to back it up. Fuel trim is Bible on a lot of these cars today. you got to know that they're good to go, and you've got to take a look at that. Get a look at fuel trim. If you need more information, you want me to help you understand it better, I'm glad to do it. Send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. And uh, if you want to talk about scan tools, I can help guide you accordingly there, too. 855-560-9900. We're coming back right after this. First gear, it's all right. 
Welcome back. We're on the, the Car Doctor. Let's get over and talk to Lisa in Minnesota, 1998 Buick and some heater issues. Lisa, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Um, I've got a problem with a, a 98 Buick LeSabre. Uh, before I ask you about the problem, though, I'd also like to mention that I'm one of those economic factors the industry forgot about years ago. Okay. They, uh, As I tried to buy a newer car, I can't find anything with a bench seat. I'm a rural mail carrier. You know, I require a right-hand driver, a bench seat. Otherwise, I've got to drive with some kind of a conversion, and I hate the conversion. Yeah, gotcha. Sure. Yeah, well, that's okay. Um, what can I do to help you with this Anyway, one? that's why I drive a 98 Buick with Sabre. Yeah, uh, okay. I just bought this one, and uh, it's the first one I've ever had that has a digital uh, heater in it. Right. And according to the manual, if there's anything wrong with the unit, it's supposed to flash. And it doesn't flash, and it gives a uh, normal readout for the temperature outside, so that part works. Um, what it does is it won't blow any air through the mid-vents. Uh, my first reaction to this was uh, maybe airflow blockage, mice, but uh, my mechanic tells me there's no airflow blockage. He checked. Okay. He says I should probably replace the unit, but he's also not an electronics person. He told me that, too. So uh, I thought I'd get a second opinion on this. It blows air out the um, top on the windshield all the time. Even when you put it on floor, there'll still be a stream coming through the middle on the top. So I'm, I'm not sure what could be it, – it, it could be something – internally electronic or do i need to replace the unit well it could also be just a stuck blend door this was this was around the generation where we went to electronic everything was electronic and we went to blend door controls and you know there are ways to verify um you know output from that control head is it is it doing what it's supposed to do if memory serves me right i thought there was a way to hit some buttons on the control head and you could get feedback codes through the control head itself looking at a series of blinking lights is that this particular model have you read anything on that i have to research it's been a while since i've seen a 98 um but there 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 are some ways to you know check for codes if you can't do it through the control head a dealer-level scan tool, and I'll say it like that, or a dealer-level equal scan tool, should be able to pull codes, too, because there is a way to pull codes out of that system and look for a response. You know, So you want to talk to your mechanic about that. If memory serves me correct, there was also a functional test where using a good scan tool, you could tell it, move this door, move that door, give me this, give me that, and actually wait for the response, because this is back in the generation of... You know, we were just all learning how to work on cars with computers, and they had to give us the ability for functionality. Go back and talk to your mechanic. Ask him what sort of scan tool he has. This isn't about OBD2. This is about manufacturer-specific information. Uh, This could be a bad controller, and we can have that conversation next week, but this could also be a bad blend door, and I want him to understand the difference. So go back, get me some more information, and call me back next week. I'm Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.